What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you and your walk toward eternity and your walk toward becoming the saint that God desires for you and me and all of us to become. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, relationship advice, evangelization, catechesis, dogma, justice, charity, and the list will go on. I'll then spend time with the questions, pray with them, study, have a few conversations, and then try to get back to you with advice that is helpful for you to become a saint. But my disclaimer is this, I am not perfect. I'm not infallible. Therefore, every now and then the advice I share with you might not actually be good for you. If that's the case, then I pray that you have the freedom to reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. However, if my advice is good for you, though difficult, then I really want to encourage you to lean into Jesus Christ in prayer and scripture in the sacraments and community so that our God can give you the graces that you may need to fulfill the demands of discipleship. If you're a first time listener, you can hit me up with your own questions, comments and critiques at askfatherjosh at suchapress.com. You can rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats, and you can share us on your social media pages. If the show is a gift for you, potentially it could become a gift for other people as well. A reminder, the show airs on Thursdays now, not on Tuesdays anymore. So if you're looking for the show, uh, check us out on Thursdays at the different podcast formats. And also, if you want to stay connected with me other days during the week, you can join me for the Worship of God at Mass every Sunday on Ascension Press's Facebook page at 7 o'clock a.m. Central, 8 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. You can also read Broken and Blessed, An Invitation to My Generation, and Pocket Guide to Adoration. Uh, through Ascension Press as well. Uh, so today's topics, what are they? Today we're going to be talking about the saints of the Old Testament. Why don't we call Old Testament figures like Moses and Abraham and Elijah saints in the Latin rite of the Catholic Church? Also, we're going to talk about the one. You the one that I want to be married to. Uh, is there the one? And if there is the one, are we destined to find that one in our life? And finally, we're going to discuss charisms, uh, those supernatural gifts that we receive at baptism. But before we get into those shows, I want to share with you a glory story. So my glory story is this. It's, um, I was, uh, man, gosh, God is so good. So I was uh, hanging out with some friends recently. And uh, so basically, like where I'm at right now, I still need your prayers for that special intention. Um, looking for, um, for me, for surrender, abandonment to divine providence and detachment. And then for my, my, my buddy, we're going to pray for a miracle. Uh, I'm going to be like that persistent widow who will beg and plead the Lord and intercede. <laughs> but uh, but in the midst of that, this season I'm currently living in, what I found helpful for me is to read the scriptures out loud, uh, to recite the rosary, uh, having the beads in my hands, uh, and to, uh, to listen and praise and worship and gospel music while I drive. And that's been very helpful. And so like one praise song that I've been jamming out to has been Cody Carnes, Nothing, or Carnes, is that how you say it? Uh, nothing else, 
I y'all that song is so so good. It's been like just the lyrics really are like profound. Um, he says in the song. Let me look up the lyrics real quick. He says, uh, "Wait, oh yeah, here it is." Cause I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions. I'm sorry when I sang another song. Take me back to where it started. I open up my heart to you. And here's the best line of the whole song. I'm sorry yeah, when I've come with my agenda. I'm sorry when I forgot that you're enough. Look, I'm sorry when I came with my agenda. How many times have you and I, have we come to prayer come to hang out with Jesus, and we have an agenda. And we go through our agenda, and it's a good agenda. It's an agenda we even prayed about before we got to the chapel, and we discerned what we were going to talk to the Lord about. And it's an important thing to talk to him about, and we intercede, and we pray, and we fast, and we have the whole thing planned out, and the Lord's like, yo, that's great. And we can address your agenda, but like, you didn't even tell me you love me yet. You didn't even ask me how much I love you. You're not even focused on our relationship. You're focused on your agenda more than you're focused on my face, my voice, my love for you. Am I really sufficient for you? Am I really enough? Or do you need me and your agenda to happen the way you want? Oh, man, the Lord has been convicting me in prayer. He is so, so good. So, yeah, man. Oh, that's so good. And then, like, I'm sorry when I forgot that you're enough. At the end of the day, God really is enough. Oh, that song, right? So good. So, uh, yeah. So my glory story is that uh, the other day I was um, hanging out with a friend and we were talking about praise music and we started praying with this song and the Lord began to just convict me. And yeah, it's just been very beautiful. So in the midst of the Lord drawing me wherever he's drawing me in this season of my life, the Lord is still purifying me and convicting me and loving on me at the same time. So with that being said, Let's jump into today's topics. All right, first question comes in from Sean. Sean, when it's boy meets world, boy meets world. Sean, uh, I think he dated Angela on that show. It was Corey and Topanga. Mr. Feeney, I think it was Sean and Angela. They actually, I think, fun fact, they were one of the very first interracial couples on a, like a daytime type, you know, TV show, um, I think. So shout out to them for that. Hey, Father Josh, I want to start off by saying thank you for your amazing ministry and everything you do, not only for your parish, but for your online community too. I had a question about charisms. What do they look like and how do we discern them? How do we use them? When do we get them and how do we discern the difference between a charism and a talent? Also, can people have charisms if they're not baptized? Finally, do I still have my charisms and will I be able to use them to get closer to God's love without being confirmed? Thank you so much for your time and even your consideration on this topic means a lot to me. Thanks, Sean. Sean, I, I am so happy to answer this question. I love the topic of charisms. Charisms are those supernatural gifts that we receive from God at our baptism. So the only people who have charisms, which are supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit, 
are people who have been baptized. Whether you were baptized in the Baptist church, in the Catholic church, in the Methodist church, as long as you were baptized with water in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, you have received a charism, actually multiple charisms, supernatural gifts that are given to you and I by God for us to use to help other people, to help them to fall in love with Jesus and to stay in love with Jesus and to abide in the love of Jesus Christ in their thoughts, words, and actions. Um, so there are a number of charisms that St. Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians um, and other places in the scripture. St. Thomas Aquinas also writes about the charisms in the Summa. I think there are probably more charisms that we could even identify, uh, but some of them include evangelization, help, uh, encouragement, uh, uh, catechesis, leadership, pastoring, administration, hospitality, uh, service, poverty, celibacy, creativity, craftsmanship. Uh, there are a number of different charisms that are given to us that they say nothing to us about our holiness. That's what I always have to remind people. Like, Just because you have a charism that you receive that baptism does not mean that that means you're holy. You're given that charism not for you but for other people. So you can manifest a charism help other people get to heaven and still go to hell yourself, right? So virtue is something totally separate from charisms. Charisms are not about us. They're given to us because God knew that we'll be in certain places and spaces and our walk toward eternity where those gifts would be needed. Um, and so you can operate in your charisms without being confirmed, right? That's why Protestants have charisms too. Uh, and many of them, uh, all of them are not confirmed. And so, uh, yeah, charisms are given to us all at baptism, and so the difference between a charism and a talent is a charism is supernatural, a talent is natural. A talent can be learned, a talent can be earned, but a charism is, is, a, is a gift that we just receive. We don't do anything to receive it but get baptized and the Lord gives it to us. A talent can be used for bad. A charism can never be used for bad. How do we learn to discern if we have a charism? Well, there's three discernment tools to find out if we have a char- what our charism is. Number one, um, are people asking us for it? Is the, the church or the people in the world coming to us to receive this gift? Number two, uh, when we share that gift, whatever it might be, we are full of life and energy while we're operating in the gift. Number three, supernatural fruit comes from it, which means that people have conversions, people go to confession, people come back to the Eucharist, People stop living in sin. People are inspired to go out and serve the poorest of the poor. People are motivated to work for justice and live lives of evangelization and discipleship, whatever it may be. So there's supernatural fruit. People ask for it, and we are alive whenever we are operating in that particular gift. So um, that's how we discern the difference um, between a charism and a natural talent. Uh, and yeah, so I would highly encourage you to look into the Siena Institute, Cher uh, Waddell, uh, the Called and Gifted uh, program. They can walk with you and help you to, to, to take a test and inventory and then do follow-ups with you to discern, help you discern like what are your top three charisms. And then you practice them. It's like Nike, you just do it. You just do it. And if you realize that, hey, nobody's asking me or I'm really exhausted while trying or I'm not seeing any supernatural fruit, then that means that you've been given another charism, which is great because that helps you and I rely on each other in the body of Christ. If I had all the charisms, I would not need anybody else. But because I don't have all the charisms, I must remain in relationship with every member of the body, even the most annoying members of the body of Christ. I need and they need me. We all need each other. So, uh, yeah. 
I would say that and finally see blah 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 blah. Yep, that's that's about it. Yeah. So Sean, let me know if that was helpful. Uh I love talking about the characters. Here at Holy Rosary, Wendy Inlow actually is trained to walk with people and their discernment of their charisms. I think it's super helpful, especially with ministry. Like sometimes people get plugged into ministry and they do things that they have they don't have the charisma to do. And so, like, they're not happy. We're not experiencing fruit from them. So, like, before people do ministry, I think it would be wise for them to do the, do the call and gifted inventory and learn about what is their charism and then discern a ministry based on their charism and not necessarily just what they wanted to do. Anyways, that's my two cents on charisms. Hopefully that was helpful, Sean. Uh, let's keep the show going. Next question comes in from Angelic. Now, is that Angelic or Angelica? Angelica Skyler, wait, 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 Angelica Skyler, what's that song? Was Angelica the one that sang Satisfy? I'll never be satisfied, I'll never be satisfied. Wait, Angelica Skyler, yeah, Alexander Hamilton, where's your family from? Unimportant, there's a million things that happens, but just you wait, just you wait. So, 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 so this is what it feels like. To, I mean, anyways, that is my jam. All right, so. Angelic or Angelica writes, Destined Marriages. Hey, Father Josh, peace and grace to you. I have been listening to your podcast for the past two years, and it has encouraged and inspired me greatly. Praise Jesus Christ. I'm a 32-year-old woman who believes she is called to marriage. However, I'm waiting on God to write my love story. I've listened to other priests and pastors talk about the one. Uh, the one that you think about, the, eh, eh. and based on what I hear, it sounds like I'm wasting my time waiting. I recently read the book of Tobit, and in chapter 6, verse 17, the archangel Raphael told Tobias, do not be afraid, for she, Sarah, was destined for you from eternity. Also, in the book of Hosea, God tells Hosea to marry Gomer, and God created Eve for Adam. So, what is your perspective on this? Is God still in the matchmaking business, or is that something that ended with the Old Testament? Thanks, Angelica. All right, Angelic. So that's actually a good, good question, and it's going to be debated, right? So I'm going to give you my speculative theological point of view here, uh, and I'm going to say yes and no. Yes, you are destined for the one. You are destined for a relationship with the one, with one person. And that person is the person, Jesus Christ. Because God, Jesus, St. Paul tells us in the New Testament, desires that all people be saved. Now, if we are saved at the end of our walk toward eternity, then we will enter into the wedding feast of the Lamb. Who's the bridegroom? Jesus. Who's the bride? You and me, all of us. We are the bride of Christ. And he, that relationship with God, that's the one that we have been destined for. That's the one who we have been created for, Jesus Christ, on earth and most importantly forever in the kingdom of heaven as saints. Now, we can freely choose to reject that invitation, that destination that God desires because we have free will, but I would propose that, yeah, there is that destiny that he desires for all of us. Now, as far as a specific state of life vocation, this is where the waters get a little bit murky. I personally do not believe that we are destined for one specific state of life vocation. There are 
the state of life vocations of marriage, priesthood, religious life, consecrated virginity. Um, I don't think that we are destined for a state of life vocation. I believe that God knows from all eternity what vocation we're going to pick. I believe that God knows which vocation, state of life vocation, will be easiest for us to become a saint, for us to achieve our end goal, which is to be married to Jesus at the wedding feast of the Lamb as the bride, the church, and the bridegroom come together in the kingdom of heaven for all eternity. I believe that God knows and has a specific, yes, yeah, state of life vocation that he would say, this would be your best way to get to me. However, God also gives us freedom to say, no, I don't want that. I want you, Jesus, but I don't want to get to you that way. And he never forces us. Love doesn't force. Love does not impose. He simply invites us. And so, yes, I'm a priest today, but I could have, in good conscience, left seminary, even though I believe that this is the easiest path for me to become a saint is by me being a priest, being married to the church. I could have said, I want to be married. Like I still have that desire. Every man who has rightly ordered desires, desires the sacrament of matrimony. And I could have said, Lord, I know I could be a good priest, but I want to get married. And as long as I'm being obedient to the Ten Commandments and I'm loving God and I'm loving neighbor, God would have blessed that marriage, whatever that looked like. He would have given me the grace to still become a saint, to still meet the one, Jesus, in heaven for all eternity through my means to that end, which would be the sacrament of matrimony. Um, so yeah, I think, Jesus does invite us to discern certain states of life because he knows they're what, they're what are best for us, but he won't demand us or say that we have to choose that. He could say, you're free to do whatever you want. As long as you're a loving God, loving neighbor, being obedient to the Ten Commandments, not doing anything unnatural, you are free to do whatever you want. Like God's will is your will. Whatever your will is, what he wants his will to be done. As long as you're living in a state of grace and following the Ten Commandments, he gives us the freedom to choose our own path. He wants for us to have the freedom. He does not want us to be robots. He wants us to be free to say, this is what I really want to do, God. And as long as I'm being holy and as long as this is like the rightly ordered relationship, depending on where I'm at, then, then it's cool. There was an African priest. Uh, he used to always say, you Americans, you always start with your desires. What's going to make you happy? He said, in my country, in my town, in my village, we always look at what are the needs of our people? And after we look at what are the needs of our people, then we say, what are our gifts? And where our gifts meet the needs of the people, that's what we do for the rest of our lives. Um, it's not about our personal fulfillment. So, yeah, I'm not sure um, if I get down with the whole soulmate thing. I actually, I used to speak out against it publicly <laughs> because I found it dangerous whenever like parents would have their daughters write letters to their future husband. So like, this is your future husband. And they wouldn't like keep an open option that the girl's future husband might be Jesus. Cause then the girl is like waiting her whole life for this future husband in a state of life vocation of marriage that she might not enter into. Not necessarily because of any fault of her own, but because of the privation of the reality that some men are addicted to um, sin. And because they're addicted to sin, they're not free to enter into marriage. And so now there's, all these holy women who want to marry, but they don't have any guys that they can marry um, because the guys aren't free. And then the women feel like something's wrong with them. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with you. It was the fact that you were told your whole life that, that marriage was the only option. And the reality is, is that marriage is a option, but so is religious life um, as well. So is consecrated virginity as well. Um, and then also on top of that, not everyone's going to be 
entering into a state of life vocation. Like the vocation that we're all called to ultimately is to be a saint. And so there will be a number of saints in heaven who never entered into a state of life vocation of marriage or consecrated virginity or religious life or priesthood. Uh, like Dr. Giuseppe Muscati or Pierre George Versati or Chiara Lucia. Like there's so many of them. So, yeah, I would say I personally believe that the only one for us that we're destined for is Jesus in the kingdom of heaven. And everything else, as long as you're living in a state of grace and you're following the will of God, is up to your discernment and up to your actions and obviously the, the discernment of other people too, right? So what are you going to do to pursue marriage? Um, I don't think it's, like if you feel called to marriage, um, I don't think it's a good thing to just sit around and wait for some guy to show up. Uh, like that's like me, I felt called to be a priest. I'm like, I'm just going to wait for a vocation director to call me. No, I had to actually make the step to call the vocation director. Whenever women feel called to marry Jesus as religious sisters, they don't stay home and wait for a comment to call them and say, hey, do you want to discern with this? Like they actually actively pursue those communities and say we're interested. So I think women who feel called to the state life vocation of marriage should not just sit at home and expect some guy to show up one day and say, hey, I want to take care of you and marry you and protect you and provide for you and be present to you. Like, no, like if you feel called to marriage, eh, then you need to put yourself out there and you need to let guys know I feel called to marriage. I'm available for you to uh, for you to approach me and for you to pursue me. Um, if a guy doesn't know that you're pursuable, he ain't gonna pursue you. So make it known the same way women who discern religious life make it known. The same way priests who discern the priesthood make it known. Uh, the same way consecrated virgins go to bishops to make it known that they feel like they're being invited by God to be a consecrated virgin. So make it known, and then if nobody. Um, is pursuing you still, then just be open to the fact that you still have the one Jesus who is sufficient and who is enough. Um, sometimes we won't be able to even enter into a relationship with another person until we like let go of possessing the idea that the state of life vocation of marriage will make us happy or complete us. It won't make us happy and it won't complete us. Jesus completes us. Happiness comes from God's love alone. Um, and so... Yeah, I want to encourage you to prioritize Jesus and and make sure that he knows that you know that he knows that you know that he is sufficient and that he is enough. Um, and then everything else is up for grabs. It's up to you actively going out there and trying to see what happens. Um, so let me know if that was helpful. Some people would disagree with me, and that's cool, but that's what I think. Uh, let me know. Hit me up at AskFatherJosh at AssistantPress.com. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into our final question. Two thousand years ago, Jesus Christ chose corrupt, broken, imperfect, sinful men to be the foundation of his church. And because these broken and perfect men chose to remain in relationship with Jesus, they became saints. And they were used by Jesus to transform hearts and minds 2,000 years later. I invite you to check out my book, Broken and Blessed, where you'll find practical tools to overcome habitual sin, to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and to walk with an imperfect church toward a perfect God who is calling all of us to perfection over time. To order the paperback book or audiobook, Broken and Blessed, visit ascensionpress.com 
or Amazon. And we are back. Just a quick reminder, you can send me your questions at AskFatherJosh at AscensionPress.com. You can rate us and review us on iTunes, and you can share us on your social media pages. That helps other people find out about the show. And if you want to stay tuned and connected with me throughout the week, worship God with me at the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass on Ascension's Facebook page at 7 o'clock a.m. Central, 8 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. And you can also read my books, Broken and Blessed, and Pocket Guide to Adoration, both available at AscensionPress.com. Last question, again, is about the saints. Oh, when the saints, hey, go marching in, hey. Oh, when the saints, go marching in, hey. Oh, when this, hey, hey. So, saints before Jesus. Hey, Father Josh, my name is Caroline Sweet. Man, that's it. That is such a beautiful name. There's so many Carolines who've written me questions on this podcast. And you know, Caroline, with your name, I got to do it. Sweet Caroline. Oh, oh, oh. And I'm from the Mediterranean island of Malta. First of all, I want to say thank you for all that you do and are doing. Your podcast is such a near occasion of grace every time I tune in. Praise Jesus Christ. I pray God will continue to bless you and your ministry. My question is this. Why aren't there any people from before the time of Jesus who we call saints? For example, we say Moses and Elijah instead of St. Moses and St. Elijah. We know for sure that they are in heaven because they appear with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And we also know that Elijah was taken directly to heaven. So why don't we call them saints? Of course, my question also applies to the patriarchs, prophets, and countless other figures from the OT who were striving and abiding in God. I look forward to your reply. God bless you, Caroline. So, Caroline, every canonized saint uh, is in heaven, but get this, not everyone in heaven is a canonized saint. There are a number of saints in heaven who the church has never formally canonized, but that does not mean in any way, shape, or form that they are not in heaven. It just means that the church never officially canonized them. In fact, so the word saint in Greek means the holy one, and in the Latin rite of the Catholic Church, when we speak of saints, we, we typically refer to canonized saints, but our definition should not be limited to just those people who are canonized. Anyone who is in heaven is a saint. Anyone on earth who is holy is, is also considered to be a saint on earth, biblically speaking, not canonized, but still holy. In the Bible, the word saint is used to describe people in heaven and on earth. So as a practice, we in the Latin rite don't usually refer to Old Testament figures, people, as saints, even though we know that they're in heaven. We know they're saints, even though we, like, we never went through a formal canonization process with them. We know Moses is a saint. We know Elijah is a saint. We know Abraham is a saint. Um, one could call Moses St. Moses or Abraham St. Abraham if they, if they wanted to, but it's just not our typical practice in the Latin rite of the Catholic Church. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says this, though, that the patriarchs, the prophets, and certain other Old Testament figures have been and always will be honored as saints in all the church's liturgical traditions. So the catechism makes it very clear that they are saints. We just never went through a canonization process with them. So hopefully that was helpful. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God, we know that you desire us to be saints. You created us for heaven. You've called us, you've formed us, and you've chosen us to be in relationship with Jesus. Give us the graces that we need to always choose you day and night, 
Minister to us while we are awake and when we are asleep so that we can abide in intentional relationship with you on earth as it is in heaven. We ask this prayer, Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. All right, that's the show. God bless, and I can't wait to keep walking with you next week. Keep me in your prayers, and please continue to pray for my special intention. All right, God bless. Thank you.